The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. We are going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2 today, okay? And um, we're going to, you're going to, you may, some of you that were here last week may be like, whoa, dude, you missed uh, verses 19 through 28. Uh, you know, I thought we were going verse by verse through Samuel, right? And so I'm like, oh man, it's all so good. Like everything in Samuel is so good, and I could expound on, on many passages, but I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's just plow through uh, and, and get straight into chapter two, but I will recap for you real quick uh, what happened in verses 19 through 28. So Samuel is born, okay, um, exactly as Hannah was, remember last week, man, we talked about how Hannah poured her soul out before the Lord, right? She was praying in such a way that Eli, the priest uh, in the tabernacle, thought she was drunk, right? And she had to tell him, no, man, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring myself out before the Lord. Like, I am begging him for a son, and I will dedicate him all the days of his life to serve the Lord in the tabernacle, give him over to the tribe of the Levites. He will be a Nazarite, right? And so I won't go into all that. That was last week's message. If you missed it, go online on YouTube. Corey posted it. Thanks, bro. And uh, catch up on that. But uh, anyways, they, uh, so Samuel is born. And um, I mean, I could expound, you know, uh, in depth on the blessings of the conception process. But I thought I would spare you. Just kidding. Um, but uh, there is... Um, um, Really awesome, awesome nuggets here as we get into Hannah. Like, we're still um, talking a lot about the devotion, the heart condition of Hannah and her uh, beloved son, Samuel, okay? And so as we get going here um, in verse 1, just know that they have just, it says in verse 28, um, uh, therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, and he shall be lent to the Lord. So there they worshiped the Lord. And so here, here they are as we get into chapter 2. Just know that the child has been weaned, right? Okay, Samuel was conceived. He was born. He was raised up for a short season in the home of Elkanah and Hannah, right? And so the ch- she had weaned the child as she told Elkanah, like Elkanah wanted to bring him as like a baby, like an infant. And she was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, we're going we're gonna to feed him and we're going to like grow him up a little bit. So it does not say the exact age that uh, Samuel was actually given over to uh, Eli and the priest to serve in the tabernacle. But um, I assume somewhere around five or six or seven. So just kind of keep that in your mind. But anyways, uh, young Samuel has been raised up at however old he was, right? But a little, little boy. And what's happened as we're getting into chapter two is he was just dropped off. He was just dropped off. So I want you to think about like, I mean, how inc- that's a hard thing to imagine. Like she made the promise with the Lord. Like she vowed, Lord, if you give me a male child, like I will dedicate him to, to the life uh, of a priest forever. Like he's yours forever, right? We talked about that last week. But Man, like, that's a hard thing to do. Like, I could see her being like, oh, Lord, thank you. Like, still praising the Lord and giving thanks that she was able to give a child. But like, Lord, I don't, I'm not really sure if I want to let him go or not, you know? Like, this was hard. Like, Penina had, uh, you know, her, her other 
uh, half, right? Remember, uh, Elkanah had two wives in Penina and Penina and Hannah, right? And Penina was, was really badgering Hannah very bad. And it was like Hannah was living a miserable life because of Penina. Um, and so anyways, we get into chapter, that's, that's all that's going on here. They, Elkanah and uh, um, Hannah just drop off the young boy Samuel at the tabernacle and we get into chapter two in this prayer, okay? And I'm, we're gonna go, we're gonna teach through it verse by verse here. Um, so uh, work, work with me here. It says in chapter two, verse one, and Hannah prayed and said thus, my heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you, nor is there any like our God. What I love about Hannah in this, in this uh, is that, uh, in, the, in the first point I want to make here, is our circumstances should not control our measure of praise. Our circumstances should not control our measure of praise. Hannah, indeed, it does not say this, but I know for a fact, she could not rejoice in the fact that she had just dropped her only son off, never to live in her home again. There's no way that was exciting. Not a chance did she do that without an ounce of pain. No way. But yet, she rejoiced in the Lord. There was peace in her heart. She says, I smile at my enemies, and I rejoice in your salvation. In this case, what I do love about this is the honesty of Hannah. She's smiling at Penina, who's made her life miserable, who's yelled at her, cussed at her, taunted her, saying, you are the barren wife of our husband Elkanah, right? You are the one that cannot bear a child. And now she says, I'm smiling. Even though I do not get to raise the young boy up because I made a vow with the Lord that I would dedicate him all the days of his life, but man, I am smiling and rejoicing. And I think there's a lesson here for us around just finding peace in our circumstances and not letting our circumstances, whether extremely good or extremely challenging, control to what degree we are serving the Lord or finding rest in him, right? The Bible promises a peace that passes all understanding for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like, are you experiencing that peace? beyond comprehension. Like, can you make, you don't have to make sense of it, but you need to know it's there, right? Now, that's when you know that you're in, experiencing uh, the joys of the Lord. I'm, I'm reminded of my friend Roy Miller. Roy Miller was a, a guy that I used to mow his yard when we lived back in Arkansas. Roy was in his 90s, man, and like, he was this huge man with these massive hands and feet. Like, I bet he wore like a size 18 shoe, just this big guy, man, and Roy loved football. And uh, so, you know, I played at Arkansas. I was a field goal kicker, and, and Roy, like, thought that was really cool, you know. And so we always talked about football, and I'd go over and I'd mow his grass uh, in the late summer, and we'd talk football about the upcoming season, you know, the Razorbacks and this and that. And I loved Roy Miller, but, man, what was most amazing was to watch Roy in his 90s, man, his back hurt. He was in a wheelchair, and, man, like, when I first met Roy, he could stand, and he would stand in the back, and he didn't want to be a distraction because he was so tall. Like, if he was sitting up in the front, man, everyone would be like, whoa, bro, I can't see, you know? So he was always in the back. He didn't want to be a distraction. But, man, his, his huge hands 
would go up in the air and he would just worship. And I love that about Roy Miller. Later in Roy's life, he started, he, he was in a wheelchair. He couldn't stand, but man, whew, up went the hands in the chair, right? His wife, Betty, would sit next to him in the back and, and the wheelchair was right there and she would hold his hand. What's funny is even though when Roy was sitting in the wheelchair, little Betty, man, was like the same height, you know? It was like, it was funny. Roy's sitting in the chair and, and Betty was standing and they're like the same height. But um, it's just awesome. Like, Roy did not let his circumstances, cancer, back surgeries, crippledness, he did not let that control what he was offering to the Lord by way of praise. Like, he didn't care. In fact, I asked Roy one time, I said, how can I pray for you? He said, you can pray that I would know Jesus so intimately today that if I died today, I wouldn't even know the difference. What a blessing, man. That is a man who loves Jesus. And I remember at his funeral, our worship pastor at our church in Arkansas said, there's been, I've been leading church, he, this is what my buddy said, he said, I've been leading worship at this church for 20 years. There's been one man leading me in worship for 20 years, Roy Miller. Every time I look in the back row and see that man's massive hands raised, I know that I am in the presence of the Lord and I need to lead these folks in worship in spirit and truth. He, at his funeral, he said, thank you, Roy Miller, you changed my life. So I'll, I'll leave that for you. Um, don't let your circumstances control your praise. Verse three, talk no more so very proudly, Hannah says. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are, are weighed. This is a pride warning here. But pride can be expressed in many, many ways but primarily, it is spoken with words. Pride is manifested from our mouths most often. I want to lead us in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 says this. Let me read. I guess I should turn there. Huh? That makes sense. James, where you at, brother? Is it on the board? No. Nope. James, there you are. James chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 say this. This is a familiar passage for some of you. The untamable tongue. Says, James says, this is the, the half-brother of Jesus, right? The half-brother of Jesus. He says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue, literally, he's talking about the tongue, is so set among our members that it defiles the entire body. And sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. Woo, James, man, a little heavy, bro, right? Coming at us pretty strong here. But listen to what he says. He says, for every kind of beast and bird, reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Like, we were given dominion over the animals and the birds and the fish of the sea, right? God gave man dominion over all of that, right? Uh, and so, but yet it says this. No man, in verse 8, can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Or can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Point number two, 
our words reflect the condition of our heart. Listen and learn. Like Jesus said, out of your mouth flows the condition of your heart. Like I want you to think about the things that you say. Like what what comes out of your mouth? What are the things that you talk about at work? What are the things that you talk about at home or bicker about at home or with your sister or your brother or children, your parents, right? Guard yourself. The tongue is a wicked thing. He talks earlier in James about how the tongue is like the rudder of a ship, right? Like think about this massive boat like a cruise liner and, and, and it's all steered by a tiny rudder, right? Like a rudder the size of this podium. I mean, can steer a massive ship. So too is like your tongue. How great a fire or how great a forest a little fire can kindle. That's what the word says as well, right? So, I mean, you can burn down an entire forest, millions of acres with a teeny little flame. All you need is a little air, right? <sighs> Whole thing goes up in flames. So, this is a pride warning from Hannah here. That's the, that's the lesson. Pride warning. Guard yourself against um, the immature or inappropriate use of your tongue. He says, with it we bless God and with it, with it we curse men. Like, that ought not to be so. Like, are we gossiping with our words? Are we tearing people down like fathers? Are you provoking your children? Right? He says, do not provoke your children to anger. That starts with words. Right? And so be in, encouraged and, and to know that, man, your mouth is a powerful vessel for the kingdom of God. So I challenge you to question yourself, how is it being used? How are you using your mouth? And even if your mouth is causing you to stumble, listen and learn. Let it listen to yourself and learn the condition of your heart and then sit with the Lord on it. That's how you grow. That's how you walk with Jesus. When something comes out and you're like, it doesn't have to be a cuss word. It can be. It doesn't have to be this or that. or anything. But when you are engaged in conversation and you're like, where's the Lord in that? I have no idea, right? You know your heart may be a little off balance and no problem. You repent, let the Lord forgive you, sit with the Lord and say, man, what's going on here, right? Why am I engaged in this type of conversation? Or why are they engaged in that conversation? Or why did what they said to me, why did that make me stumble? Like my... I had someone give me some feedback in a work setting this week, and man, it got under my skin. Like, I was mad. Like, I felt like I was being challenged, like I wasn't working hard enough, or I wasn't doing the right things, you know, or I wasn't following the right process. And I knew in my heart, I'm like, man, I've given this thing everything I've got. Like, what the heck? My heart wasn't in the right spot. The Lord was like, chill, dude. Like, this guy actually didn't mean any evil, you know, but, you know, he just was giving you some professional feedback that you didn't receive very well. Maybe it's because you're insecure about certain things or whatever, whatever. But I was becoming angry, and so I needed to deal with the condition of my heart because I was telling other people, like, man, this thing really chapped me, you know? That's, that, it doesn't matter what he said to me. What matters is what I was doing about it, and it had stirred me up, but I needed to understand the condition of my heart and sit with Jesus on it. And I needed him to humble me. Pride, right? This is a pride warning from Hannah. Pride was the reason I was upset. And I needed to humble that. I needed to shut that down. I needed the Lord's help. Um, 
verses four through eight. Read with me. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillar, pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. Um, let's, let's jump in real quick to Luke 14, 8 through 14. This is a little cross-reference here. Jesus gives us a lesson about taking the lowly place here, and I, I want to read it. It's, it's important for us. Luke 14, 8 through 14 says this. This is Jesus speaking here in Luke. When you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place. Don't take the best seat, right? Lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to get up and go take another seat, right? He says, but when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invites you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher, man. Go sit over here. I got a good seat for you, man. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I could preach a whole sermon about how when we let the Lord use us or when we do what he's asked of us, there are blessings in heaven for us. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right, where moths cannot uh, uh, destroy, right, where thieves cannot break in and steal, where rust cannot break it down, right? And so when we do things of the Lord, when we follow his commandments and we do all those things that the Lord has asked us to do, we walk in obedience, our treasure is in heaven. What he's saying is don't do things on earth now that reap earthly benefit. Do things that reap heavenly benefit. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. It will be there. That's the good news. If you believe that you're going to heaven when you die because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the things that you do in the Lord will bear fruit in the kingdom. The things you do for yourself will bear fruit on earth, which will end and you can't take any of it with you when you go, right? There's no U-Haul behind the hearst, like my grandma used to say. It was always funny. Um, but take the lowly position, right? Um, point number three here I want, to, uh, I want to call out. We must learn to see the Lord in all of life's circumstances, though. Um, I was, we were at, uh, <laughs> sometimes... Um, Molly and I had a little date night, and we were trying to, like, 
we were trying to go out and have a little fun, and we went and ate some sushi. We went to Sushi House in Leewood, and man, I love sushi. Like, I have a problem. Like, I am kind of a, I become like an extremely obsessive eater when I get sushi in front of me. Like, I'm like, I, and I don't want like the Philly roll, man. I want like the double dragon, triple rainbow, set it on fire, umbrella on top, like looks like a, a, a something or other roll. And it's like 20 bucks, you know, and I'm like, what am I doing, man? Yeah, I should have got the Philly roll, man. That thing was five bucks, you know. But um, I was trying to date my wife, you know, and so anyways, we, it was good. We had sushi. It was awesome. And then we go to First Friday. And I was like, we had First Fridays when we lived in Arkansas. You know, it was like Northwest Arkansas, right? And it's like pretty casual, pretty tame, family-friendly environment. We go to this first Friday thing, and I, I, we love Kansas City. Whoever, I hope you guys know we love Kansas City. But wow, what a display of just. <laughs> they, like, they were playing like trap music. Like, I don't know if y'all even know what trap music is. It is like very inappropriate ghetto-based music, okay? And like, I, man, I grew up in a rough spot of town, so I know what trap music is, all right? Uh, do, don't go home and listen to it if you're curious. But man, it was like. And my kid, like, if I had my kids there, I know for sure Gabriel would be like, Daddy, what are they doing? Or what is he wearing, right? What in that, what was that smell? Right? And so I was like, man, it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a culture shock, right? And so Molly and I were driving home, and I'm like, that was a pretty lame date. I mean, it was cool, though, because Rick and Brittany were there, and we did see them, and that, that rocked. We loved to see you guys there. But we were like, that, that was kind of lame. Like, what? But we were asking ourselves the question, what was the Lord doing? Like, he had us there. Like, and we felt like he definitely, we, we connected with Rick and Brittany there. It was like the Lord being like, yeah, dude, like you're here with purpose. But the whole time, I'm like, I am way out of place, you know? Uh, but it's awesome. Rick and I talked about this. Sometimes, like, when Jesus says you got to learn to be in the world but not of the world, like, you are not of this world, the world should not feel comfortable. Like, I was reminded of the Lord in me when I'm walking through the streets and I'm like, my eyes are just like, I was way overstimulated. But I was reminded, man, that this is not comfortable because you are not of the world. Like, you're different, man. Like, you follow Jesus. You do the things that the Word of God tells you. You're making disciples, man. You're, you're following after God like Hannah, pouring out your soul before the Lord. That doesn't mean I'm righteous by the things that I'm doing. It means that I love Jesus and he's righteous in me. And therefore, the world is messy and it looks weird. And it's okay. I still love the people. I just don't particularly love the activity, Right? And that's okay. And that was a reminder of the Lord in me. But we got to learn to see the Lord in all of life's circumstances. And so I'm still trying to figure out why the heck we were there. But um, if you're in a circumstance where it feels uncomfortable or where you're unsure of why God has you there, if you feel like Shay at first Friday in the crossroads district or whatever, uh, ask yourself, what does the Lord have me here for? Just ask him. And, like, uh, that, and that's, that's really the, the condition of, the, of Hannah's heart here, right? Like, 
I love that Hannah is, is, is saying, man, like, the, like I was in a low spot and the Lord raised me up. My enemy was after me, but she's, he has set me on high. Like I, was, I had a barren womb, and man, I've got a son who's devoted to God forever and will serve in the tabernacle all of the days of his life. Like she is just claiming victory. Uh, and what I love about it is a lot of times, man, we pray prayers that are so weak. I know I hit on this last week, but man, like Jesus is like, dude, you need to tell these people, man. Like Jesus said, prayer and fasting is where the power comes when you're trying to get movement with the Lord. And like I'm about to start a movement where we start praying after meals instead of before them, you know, I'm being a little flippant here, but it's like, dude, the food is blessed. Stop blessing the food. Like, if you want to give thanks, eat the food and then be like, man, God, that was some awesome food. Thank you, Lord. You know, like Sherry Lynch made some fire potatoes at that 4th of July party at the Lodegis. Those, I didn't pray before I ate those potatoes. They were fine. There was nothing wrong with those potatoes. I didn't get a sick tummy or anything like that. But afterwards, I was praying. Lord, man, those were fire potatoes. I've never had potatoes taste like that. Sherry, that was awesome. But I say that to be, to be serious. Like, man, if you're praying, like, may we be like Hannah, where she's praying to the Lord, and she's kind of like, Lord, like, that sucked. I did not like when Penina was, was harassing me. I did not like she was stealing my husband. I did not like this and this and this. Lord, that was difficult. But, man, you are good, Lord. And man, you're going to pull me through this. And you have. You know, and so she just, she was honest. It was a conversation with the Lord, and it, was, it flowed from her heart. So we may, may we not pray prayers that don't come from our heart. If, if, you, if it's not coming from your heart, then take a pass and wait to pray whenever you do have something actual to say to the Lord, okay? May we avoid rituals. Um, so verse 9 through 10, I'll speed us up here. Um, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken into pieces. From heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. I love here, she's just proclaiming the sovereignty of God. She's proclaiming that God is in control. Like that's an important lesson for us to just understand continually all the days of our life how in control of our lives God really is. Like Corey was saying, sometimes we, we're singing about a king and sometimes we're on the throne ourselves, right? May that not be the case. Um, but this is, uh, one thing that is really cool is Hannah, I didn't know this until I started studying for this sermon, Hannah is quoted by lots of people in scripture. Mary, the mother of Jesus, quoted her often. In fact, she duplicated uh, lots of portions of this specific prayer. Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, when he was prophesying about Jesus who was getting ready to be born, right? He, I guess John the Baptist was technically the uncle of Jesus, right? I just kind of came to that conclusion. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but he says he is the horn of our salvation, right? And so that's exactly what uh, Hannah says here. But um, one, this is one of the first references to Christ being the Messiah of Israel, okay? And so just know that everything, for you, for you Bible newbies out there, everything in the New Testament is, I'm sorry, everything in the Old Testament is revealing the new. Everything in the New Testament was concealed in the Old Testament, 
Okay? So when you're reading through the Old Testament, look for Jesus. There's always nuggets of Jesus on every page when you're reading. So freebie there for you. Verse 11. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, and the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. What I love here, I feel like the Lord gave me this. Like this wasn't in any commentary. I did just I I I love that it said then Elkanah. Like so Hannah's prayer is over. The last verse here says, Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Like I love that Elkanah, we see like he really got behind what the Lord was doing in his wife. And certainly he was a contributor, (laughs) right? Um couldn't have Samuel without him, but uh, it, what I love is that it, it, this, it, it, he's mentioned, and Hannah isn't. Like, he was leading the situation. I'm going to give you husbands, you guys out there, a freebie here. God might be wanting to do something incredible with your wife, but he's waiting on you to lead. I, I, he's waiting on you to lead. And I felt like what God did with Hannah in, in just birthing and raising and casting vision over Samuel was an incredible thing. But it was Elkanah, as we remember in chapter 1, that was dedicated to serving the Lord. He brought his family every chance he could to offer sacrifice. He was relentless in his pursuit of the Lord. Yes, he had sin in his life, but don't we all? But he pursued the Lord with all of his heart, and he was leading Hannah. God might be wanting to do something with you and your wife, but he's kind of waiting on you to lead. So check yourself on that one. Um, Young, man, young Samuel ministered to the Lord. This is the last thing, uh, and then I will leave you with the big idea here. We can all minister to the Lord exactly where we are, regardless of age, social class, gender, or race. But the question is, are you ministering? Like young Samuel, it said immediately, like he was dropped off by his parents. They went back, day's journey back to Ramah. He remained in Shiloh at the house of the Lord, and he ministered at a very young age. Regardless of where you were at, this is kind of a discipleship reference here, okay? I don't care how old you are in age or how old you are spiritually. You can minister exactly where you are. The question is, are you ministering? What is your ministry? I want to leave you with a few questions. Like, what is your ministry? Like, I'm still defining mine and kind of figuring out what exactly does the Lord have me doing right now, but I'm clearly on stage preaching the word at OPCC, so I mean, like, God's kind of made that easy for me, uh, at least for now, but, you know, I'm still asking in that question, Lord, like, what are areas of ministry um, that, that you have called me to, Lord, and I want to be faithful in that, like baseball chapel, right? Um, I'm, for those of you that don't know, I serve uh, as the team chaplain for the Kansas City T-Bones, and like, what? At first, it's like, they called me, and I'm like, that's random. Like, that's a weird minute. You know, I don't know if I have time. Is it paid? You know, it's my first question. It was not my first question, but it was my first thought. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, and they're like, no, it's not paid. It's volunteer. It's not. But, you know, man, like, I was like, well, I don't know. Then, then God put Sean O'Malley in my life right whenever I was evaluating. Sean is Sam O'Malley's husband. Man, I love that family. Um, 
And I miss Sean. Dang it, I miss Sean, man. I'm ready for him to be back from baseball because, like, I'm, I love that dude. But he, uh, he'll be back with us in the fall. But, man, he's like, God put Sean in my life. And this guy's, like, hungry for the, for the Lord, and he loves deer hunting. And, like, man, he's got a little baby like we did. And I was like, whoa, like, I think the Lord's using, the Lord used Sean. Like, he needs to know that. The Lord used Sean to confirm in me that I was called to baseball chapel ministry. Like, I didn't even really play baseball. Like, I played soccer and football. I didn't even really play, you know. But the Lord had me there. But I, like, since kind of being obedient in that area and doing it, like, I don't really have the time, you know. I'm trying to get a business off the ground, trying to plant a church, all this. Like, I don't have time to be, like, hanging out at the ballpark for hours and ministering to umpires and coaches and stuff. But, like, I'm committing it to it. And it is fruitful. Like, it's super fruitful. Like, I have been so overwhelmingly um, impressed by the movement of the Lord, like, in these guys and in these coaches and these umpires. And, like, it has just been a, a tremendous blessing. And so what is your ministry? Like, what is God calling you to do? It doesn't, it, it, he's not calling all of us to pastor a church or to be, you know, on staff or anything like that. But he does have a ministry for you. Like, what is it? Ask him that. What is it? Or who has God asked of you? Who is God calling you to minister to? That might be your ministry. Maybe a specific person, right? So just ask him. Are you experiencing both the joys and the sorrows of following the Lord? Man, like, this one's difficult to teach or to, or to preach on. Like, but but the, the honest truth is, man, that, like, I am not up here telling you guys that following Jesus is, like, you're, that you're going to have eternal happiness. I'm promising eternal salvation because <laughs> that's what the Lord promises us. But hear me clearly, like, Q-tip moment. He doesn't promise eternal happiness. Happiness is a temporary feeling. Like, that's an emotion that comes and goes, so, like, if church isn't making you happy, or, like, if your Bible time isn't making you happy, or if, like, the ministry that God's called you to is a little frustrating, that's okay. Smile. It's going to be all right. There are joys, lots of them, following Jesus. But there's some sorrows, too, man. Like, it can be difficult. It can be annoying sometimes. Like, it's hard you know, at times to um, repeatedly minister to a group, I'm not talking about you guys, but I've had this experience where I'm just like, repeatedly minister to a group or a person and there's no movement, there's no repentance of sin, there's no resurrection of Jesus in this person's life and they continue to just suck life out of you. They see Jesus in you, but they don't actually want to commit to Jesus themselves. They want to follow Jesus because you're following him. That's exhausting. Don't be that person. But, the Lord may have called you to that, right? Like, it just, I don't want to over-index over, over on this one, man, but I, you guys need to know, and you need to be comforted that, man, God might be calling you to something, and it may not be, like, just the most dreamy thing you've ever dreamt up, but it is the Lord, and just walk in it with confidence, and he, he will set you free through it. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.